and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 464, I hope. Yeah, what are we talking about tonight? Don't we usually call it uh, Mark and Chad go to the movies? That's one of the things we do call it, yes. That is usually on the marquee, literally. Uh, but it's our annual movie preview episode for 2022. Ninth annual. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing this crap a long time, man. We've been doing this nine out of the 13 years the show's been on the air? Yeah, we've been doing this since since the fall of 2013. Holy Christ. I know. If we live long enough, we'll, we might possibly get to 10 years doing this t- together. Holy <laughs> wow. All right. So the structure of this, as always, is there's a top five. We go in ascending order, starting with five, and then we end on our number ones. We also talk about our alternates, basically other movies that we are interested in but just didn't necessarily make our top five. Generally, we can eliminate those by each other's top fives uh, or just conversation in general. And then our monkey crap list, which is what, Mark? From my perspective, the monkey crap list is not necessarily movies that we will never see or we're determined never to see. It is simply a list of movies that we have no desire to see. And if they that we are we're not actively going to seek them out, we have no desire to see them. And if they didn't exist, we would be okay with that. It's just that it's so it's basically just a list that it's if there's a list of dispassionate film as a dispassionate film goer, these are the movies for you. That's what the list will consist of. The yeah. odds are most of these movies we will probably end up seeing at some point, whether in the theater or streaming or whatever. But it's not anything that we care about. True. And I think for me, it's uh, the it's the added caveat of. I may have no interest in seeing it, but I'm probably going to get dragged to the theater in some way, shape, or form by somebody else who wants to see it. So, but yes, for sure. So you're going first, right? Yeah, I'll 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 step up to the plate here. And uh, this whole list is in flux to a certain extent, which is my disclaimer for the whole my. For me, 2022 is odd because I can't honestly say I'm passionate at the moment about anything on my list. Even the things that I want to see, I can't tell you that, oh, yes, I'm dying to see them. Like last year, there were movies I really wanted to see. Spider-Man being, I believe it was my number one, and it, and there was payoff for it. But there is not, even when we get to my number one, which has, I have hope that I'm going to be passionate about it by the time it comes out. But even that one, I'm there's not a lot of passion. So getting, getting a top five, once Chad and I, discuss what are common threads and there were actually a bunch there were a significant amount of common threads in our top five so i i that's probably just due to the fact that there's not a 
a lot that interests either of us. Yeah, I think that I think you are correct. That is part of it. And but usually we have one or two. I think we at the at the very least. I think we had three. We actually, if we count the ones that I kept, we probably had at least of the ten movies we'll be picking. We probably I'm going to say we probably had at least four or five that um that were in common. I well, think. I mean, at least in this case, it it, it gives us better. Uh, I mean. At this point, I'm just talking to you instead of the listeners. At least, <laughs> at least at this point, in this case, it get, in this scenario, it gives us more to talk about to each other with our list because there's, historically speaking, on this episode, you always have like one or two movies that I just I have no interest in the franchise, no history with it, so I can't add anything to the conversation. But since we had so many things in common, and like you take this, I take this, we can actually comment more on each other's. Well, don't be so sure, because there's still things on my list I don't think you're going to care about. And, <laughs> well, and, and there's things that I, I, know, I know that are going to be on yours that are not going to. But I, I but 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 your point is well made that, yes, that to me, it opens the door too for us to at least have spend a little bit more time maybe talking about movies, other movies besides our top five, just because we have so many common threads. <laughs> <laughs> also, that it opens the door by default that we have to bring in other movies to make. Uh, to make that top five and so with that disclaimer my top five as we were about to record i i to show you how dispassionate i am i flip-flopped on this like like three times about what i'm going to do whether i'm going so now i forget what i said a few minutes ago chad i'm flip-flopping one more time and i'm going back to what i had is number five before we we <laughs> talked about <laughs> our, our, our our pregame so i'm going to stick with a kind of a obs- relatively obscure movie, uh, which is Don't Worry Darling, would not have been in my list if I hadn't given Chad three of my five, but nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless. Uh, Don't Worry Dar. It's it's a psychological thriller slash horror movie. It's supposed to be set circa the 1950s. The, real in- the interest for a lot of people in this movie is that this is Olivia Wilde's second directorial project that People responded to her first one and people were interested in seeing her second one. For me, what makes this movie interesting is even though she's also in the movie, what makes it more interesting for me is Florence Pugh, who I just Mm -hmm. love Florence Pugh. She's in she's in this movie, along with Chris Pine, uh, Gemma Chan and also uh, Dakota Johnson, actually, too. And Shia LaBeouf. For your five remaining fans of his, but the reality it has a pretty interesting cast, and like I said, Florence Pugh is good in everything. And for people who didn't, who never knew who Florence Pugh was before Black Widow, it's like yeah, she's good in everything. So you combine you combine the psychological thriller aspect, and I like Olivia Wilde as an actress. Uh, I don't I did, I don't think I ever saw her comedy to to be at, a, at least enough of it to judge what, how much I like her as a director. But this was something that we're circling. It was right at the bottom into the uh, the middle the middle of the road list, and then once we decided to switch movies back and forth, I said, you know what, let me let me go with this because it's it's a little I have a little more interest in this than some of the other middle of the road projects on my list. Yeah, Harry Styles being in this sort of turns me off, but I do like Olivia Wilde. I do like Florence Pugh. I'm hit or miss on Chris Pine. I mean, I think he's got potential I, I obviously he's a good actor he you know I, I like the star trek revamp stuff that he did and and other things that he's been in but i've also seen him in stuff i just don't like straight up um i'm the i mean i, I you even mentioning this, this is the first i've ever heard of it so 
what's interesting to me looking at this is freaking Nick Kroll is in it, but it's a drama horror. So I'm very curious to see the acting chops of Nick Kroll, who's traditionally more comedic. Uh, I mean, he is straight up a comedian being in a horror crime drama. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of there's a there's a bunch of some less maybe less subtle than that. But there's just a lot of little nuances to this kind of project with the people they have in it. I mean, obviously, Florence Pugh has done horror before. So for Florence Pugh being in something like this. And again, she's good. She's good in everything. So she can pull anything off. But the cast that they put together in the in the in the kind in, in the era that the movie is set in, plus what kind of movie it's supposed to be. It intrigued it intrigued me enough that uh, it just barely made its way into my top five. Uh, Gemma Chan. I know that she was uh, uh, Min Irva in Captain Marvel, but uh, I know she was also a character in Eternals. I haven't seen Eternals yet, so without spoiling it, how was she in Eternals? I know she had like a a more POV character role, I believe, right? I liked her. I liked her in Eternals. I mean, I don't think not that many characters were really super well developed in Eternals, but she, but she was yeah, she pretty much was the main the main character in that movie. So I, I enjoyed, I actually started watching the Eternals after Boba Fett last night, but I knew I actually would pay attention to it. And it was like already like almost five in the morning and I needed to go to bed, actually four in the morning. I needed to go to bed. Yeah, I think she she was good in it and she has an appeal. She's obviously attractive too. Yeah. And so I think, so that that's, that's intriguing for the supporting cast to have her in there. And it seems like she's getting, she might be, her, you know, her star is rising a little bit more. So I just thought the cast and the premise of the movie was was enough to make this something that I would even if I didn't. I had heard a little bit about it before, but if, even if I hadn't, and this just I just like saw it like a trailer for it. And that was my first time, first time I ever heard of the project. I am sure that would pull me in just because of because of the cast. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, uh, so I guess um, what I said earlier is null and void with your number five. <laughs> Never heard of this until now. Great. <laughs> But uh, what you said is going to be null and void up until we get to number two, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You you had mentioned you started watching Eternal. I guess it's on the platform now, huh? Yeah, last night. But this yeah. morning, technically, as we were recording, it's it's still the 12th. So, yes, that's when it went went live. Uh, okay. I'm going to have to make my decision on whether or not I'm going to actually buy Disney Plus or not um, by the end of the month. Uh, because I don't – yeah, it's not – I don't think it's hitting Blu-ray until – Next month. Anyways, all right. So my number five is uh, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, which is the third entry in the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Uh, so of this trilogy here, we got uh, unknown, I guess, if we're going to make like a full series out of this, if we're going beyond the trilogy, I guess it all depends on, on uh, you know, a, a number of factors, J.K. Rowling, and and then I guess how this film does, and so on and so forth. I like Harry Potter uh, and, and just that world. I I I did like the other Fantastic Beasts movies. I wouldn't say I'm one of those people who's just obsessed with Harry Potter or anything. I have the the Blu-ray box set, but I mean, it's one of those film franchises. It's fairly likely most people who enjoyed those films probably have them. So it's not really a, sh- a you know, a showing of I'm a fan. If you bought the, all the movies, um, but uh, they're, they're fun watches. And I like being immersed in that world from time to time. And I, you know, I feel, you know, a sense of familiarity being in it. That being said, like I said, I enjoyed the first two fantastic beasts films enough um, at the very least through good visual flicks. 
I'm, I couldn't sit here and tell you that I recognize and or even remember the names of some of the characters who are supposed to be in this film. I just know that watching the trailer, there was so much more action. The stakes seem higher. Uh, one of the things that uh, intrigued me is that the uh, and again, uh, in terms of names of characters and stuff, forgive me. But the the muggle character is given a wand by Dumbledore you know, and, and, and brought into the world and over to Hogwarts and he's sitting at a table across from kids and stuff like that. Uh, I, I just, I really, there, there's, there seems to be bigger stakes, bigger magic, huge action sequences, um, so on and so forth in this film. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, it, uh, you know, it, and honestly, the reason it's on, it, it made my list, um, despite kind of the, laissez-faire attitude i have about it is i wasn't when the you know when the trailer came out i wasn't like oh gotta watch the fantastic beast trailer but i ended up watching it because of like youtube ads and stuff like that and instead of hitting skip ad i watched the whole thing i was unexpectedly impressed by the trailer and excited to see the film whereas with the previous fantastic beast films i was curious based on the trailer and stuff but I didn't seek out the film in theaters or anything like that. I was just like, ah, I guess I'll see that when it comes out and didn't feel like I lost anything by not seeing it in the theater. Uh, whereas this trailer was actually like, oh, shit, I might actually see that in theaters. That looks pretty darn good. I'm curious about where they're going. So it, it caught me off guard, which in a year, as you mentioned, Mark, with films that maybe we're not just like thrilled to the gills about something that catches you off guard is probably worth consideration, which is why it made my, my number five. I have not seen fully any of the fantastic beast movies. I saw, I have seen all the Harry Potter movies. Actually, I've been watching a lot of the Harry Potter movies as obviously it's been big on HBO max, but with the 20th anniversary reunion and things like that, but nothing about, I mean, to me, nothing I've seen even when they first started doing the trailers, I've never, and I've never read any of the books. So I have no ties to any of these, even the Harry Potter material based on based on reading. But I do like the movies, but the trailers, there just seems to always to be something a little lacking. I will admit that just visually, when I see these trailers, I do like Jude Law's Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. That kind of works for me. And just the idea of how Dumbledore goes from from looking like that to where he ended up (laughs) to like a hippie, hippie Dumbledore. Uh, that, that is an interesting, that would be an interesting journey by itself. As you mentioned, where this franchise, this, this movie probably is going to be the make or break for this franchise, considering that the second movie made substantially less money than the first. And that was even before all the, the, a, the, the full Johnny Depp controversy of them letting him go. And a lot of people are not happy about that. And then obviously the J.K. Rowling stuff, which is, you know, we can talk about that another day. But the reality is that because she has an opinion and she dared open her mouth and have an opinion. Now, now the flood, you know, you this is where we are today, one way or the other. So there's a potential backlash towards this franchise anyway. And again, I don't think that the Fantastic Beasts has was, has ever been from a fan base perspective has ever come close to being as that passionate as the Harry Potter fans were. I know it's the same universe, but it's, but it, but it's not quite the same. So how this movie does, it's interesting that JK Rowling is not the only screenwriter on this one. 
that mm. one of, because a lot of the criticism in the first two movies, I think, especially the second one was that JK Rowling didn't, you know, because she's not really a screenwriter and it kind of showed that that was a lot of, at least that was the assessment of a lot of people that they, they, if, if she wasn't going to step away, that she at least needed to kind of like uh, share the wealth and let's and not be the only writer. And Steve Cloves, who was, I think, just a producer on the previous two movies, also has screenwriting credit. So he at least, so even if he's just doing the polish maybe, and she makes, does the main screen, the, the initial drafts and everything, and he just kind of tightens it up and makes some changes or whether mm-hmm. they work on it together. Either way, the fact that there's a technically listed as more than one screenwriter means that at least it seems that they're trying to adjust to that or, and take that criticism to heart. This, this is a project where it's inter- it will be interesting to see how it does. And because if it continues to go downward, then it will, I think it'll be seriously debatable whether it's going to, how much longer it will continue. Based yeah, I mean, on, it's, 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 it's definitely the Godzilla versus Kong of its franchise. Yes, without, without, without the almost guaranteed success of <laughs> Kong and Godzilla. But, you are, I, but I agree with you, based on where they are, based on the, the laws of diminishing returns and, and all the controversy, that this is the movie that has to kind of like calm, calm the waters. And if it doesn't, and that yeah. doesn't mean they'll stop making the movies. They just may start uh, reining in the budgets more and, and making them smaller or going off in different directions. Maybe it's like, maybe now's the time to do a real Harry Potter spinoff or sequel because of the fact that they know there's still interest there. But, you know, as long as they're making money on it, I'm sure they'll, they'll still continue to make, make these movies. But it's just not as it's like Transformers. After a while, you get to the point where the law diminishes diminishing returns become so heavy it's like well we got to do something to try to change the trajectory for sure i mean at the very least like i said this 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 trailer caught me off guard it made me excited it made me consider watching a fantastic beast film in theaters uh and not wait for it to come out and in for public consumption and you know on a streaming platform or or on uh on blu-ray and it made me go oh yeah you know what i really do need to re-watch the fantastic beast movies which i do own so uh, they're in my voodoo library. So, um, you know, caught me off guard enough to where it, it skirted by into that top five. And right now, guys, it is expected April 15th, 2022. That's after Morbius now, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. With a kickback. Yeah. All right. So for me, something I was originally not going to have on the list, too, not as in two minutes before recording. But when Chad and I were first talking about this last week, uh, the initial convo about our lists i wasn't going to but i figured i would because by the time we were technically as we record this this movie's not out yet though by the time this is released it will be so scream scream five if you will but scream officially is my number four no scream five is my number four scream's an interesting franchise for me because i do like it even though to be perfectly honest there's probably only two movies in the franchise that i can really sit there and watch all of them back at any given moment, if I'm in the mood, just sit and watch it from beginning to end. The other, t- and that's one in four. I really like four. I think four is underrated. I think four was pretty clever. It had a good cast. I think it, it the the ki- the reveal of the of the kill you know the killers or killers was not necessarily the most believable though interesting, but the movie itself was very fun and I I I watch that movie often whenever it's on something free like it's, it was on. It was on Tubi a lot so over the last few months, so I've watched Scream 4 a lot. 
I don't I don't have a lot of expectation for this, even though as we speak, the you know, the reviews have been pretty good for this so far. I so I'm I'm curious about it. I like the franchise. I don't love the franchise, but I've been looking forward to it since they announced it. And there's another movie that got pushed back. I forget when the actual release date was, but it must. But it obviously was sometime, I think, in sometime in 2021. Actually, no, it might have been 2020. It might have been the beginning of 2020 or something, because I, I know they pushed it back almost a full year immediately. So maybe it was originally supposed to come out in the beginning of 2020, and they pushed it all the way back to uh, 2022 or something like that, or the end of 2020, and they pushed it all the way back to 2022. But as we speak, it'll be coming out on the 15th. Is that correct? No, the 14th, because the 13th is Thursday. So it'll be coming out January January 14th. So as we record this, it's not out, but by the time you hear this, it will already be out. But since I have one of the few movies I actually can say I was looking forward to, it made my number four. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I mentioned it, I think, every year. I'm just not a fan of horror movies, scary movies, uh, gore, uh, suspense type stuff. I didn't grow up with that, with an appreciation for that genre, so I don't have much history with these things. Oddly enough, my only attachment to Scream in any way, shape, or form comes in the form of Scary Movie, the comedy franchise that mm. followed it. So, and I don't think that's fair to really even consider it an attachment. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do know some people who are a fan of Scream, so I I did put it on my monkey crap list uh, because. I really doubt I will see it in theaters, but there is a chance someone's going to drag me to go see this thing uh, or it'll come out and someone's going to make me watch it. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't have any personal desire to see it. No, I did find it interesting that they were doing another scream after all this time uh, made me consider kind of what prompted them to do so. But um, no, uh, I, I, I I'm glad the reviews are sounding good because anything that gets to kind of this point in the franchise, um, you know, you know, is 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 typically kind of a, a coin flip on whether or not it's going to be any good. Yes, it's 80 as we as we record this, which means it'll probably be like 50 next week. But as we record this on, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 79, 72 reviews in, but it's it's 79 percent. So for a horror movie. I, I without even without looking at the history of the uh, of the franchise on, on Rotten Tomatoes that just knowing the way horror movies used to get re- get reviewed that any you take any victory you can get and that's the reality so and if, if it remains the original Scream only got a 79 so of course technically you you view that with through a prism of realizing that Rotten Tomatoes didn't exist when Scream came out so some of these things are not as an accurate representation of what they how they might have been reviewed in their time but just factoring that in horror movies we know always get hey you're queen of the damned 17% <laughs> uh so yeah so i'm i'm i am interested i i'm a little i'm a little leery about because this movie, I think, is going to be more of a transition to go from the old cast to if they're going to continue it with a new cast, with a, which, of course, you know, eventually they have to do that. But they've been able to successfully intertwine adding new people to a certain extent. But maybe in the last one, especially because in the first three movies, it's still pretty much revolved around David Arquette, Nev Campbell and uh, Courtney Cox. And this is the first movie. It's it looks like they're making a legitimate attempt to 
really make some new main characters that could continue forward if the series goes on. So, plus, it's the first one without Wes Craven. So whether that's going to be the kiss of death, no pun intended, or whether that's going to be whether it works for this franchise, it's I guess we'll find out soon enough. All right. My number four is Jurassic World Dominion. Uh, I've really been, uh, you know, it's it's actually through rewatches that I've become more and more uh, invested in the Jurassic World franchise. Um, when they first, when I first saw each of them, I was just, you know, they were, I mean, let's face it, uh, Jurassic Park and just dinosaurs in general are a huge part of my childhood. So it was just, you know, just nostalgia fest to begin with. Um, but as I watch them or rewatch them, I enjoy them a little bit more and more and kind of appreciate just their stupidity, their action, the, the, you know, the dinosaurs on the screen, stuff like that. But the way in which that, uh, the previous Jurassic world film ended, uh, and the fact that at still, even though this movie is expected June 10th, the plot of this film is still heavily guarded. I think we know very little about it, except the fact that it's supposed to take place supposedly four years after the events of the previous film, I think. Uh, but even that's supposed to be rumor. Uh, and But we also know that Sam Neill is Alan Grant and Jeff Goldblum is Ian Malcolm and Laura Dern is Ellie Sattler are all returning uh, for this film. Uh, combined with the fact that, you know, they, they, they keep hyping up this, the mystery of the, the corporation behind it, that, um, the Henry Wu character, uh, let me see, uh, it's played by BD Wong. Uh, and I'm curious to see if we finally get some information on what the hell all that is going to be and what they're doing there. Um, and, you know, honestly, to my interest in the Jurassic Park franchise as a whole and, you know, looking forward to Dominion, I actually bought uh, Jurassic Park, the the novel, um, for the first time in my life. I, I, I uh, started reading it while I was on a vacation and, and I haven't picked it up again, but I, I do intend to pick it up again soon before this film comes out because I was honestly curious about the whole um, – what's the name of the company? Um, in a gen, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm very, I'm very curious about the kind of the the mystique and the behind the scenes and the the you know what their goals and motives and stuff are as a company because it it engines very um, the stuff that they're doing. There's so much shady shit happening. You're like, well, what the fuck is happening on this uh, with this company? What's what is their tr- their end goal here and Let's be honest, Jurassic World Dominion is 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 the sixth film in a franchise. It's the third film in this in this iteration. But we still for a sixth film in a franchise, we still don't know much about InGen, right? So that's that's I'm really looking forward to that. Plus, the way the last film ended, like, you know, dinosaurs being loose on uh, on on terra firma continent uh, on the continent off island. And it's if it's supposed to be set 4 years later, let's Let's see where the hell we're going with this thing. You know, is it going to be like Jurassic? Was it Jurassic World? Is that or no? It was um, the second Lost World. Yes, Lost World where, was number two. Where they brought the T Rex into San Francisco or whatever. Was it San Francisco? I want to say it was San Diego, but you could be right. San Diego, yeah, yeah. So you know, are we going to see dinosaurs stomping through backyards, eating people's childhood pets? Uh, you know taking drinks out of swimming pools, uh, that, that kind of stuff. 
but I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm interested to see several things, honestly, the continuation of the story. I'm interested just in seeing dinosaurs. I'm interested in seeing the engine stuff, finally, hopefully revealing some more information. Uh, and, and like I said, the, the interest in mer- the merging of the two worlds since the original, uh, three of Sam Neill, Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum are going to be joining, uh, Bryce Howard and Chris Pratt for this thing and, and see where the hell it goes. As of right now, we still don't have a freaking trailer for this thing. So we'll, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a, we'll get a trailer or at least a teaser trailer relatively soon. I did not see Fallen Kingdom. I saw. I think I saw the ending of Fallen Kingdom on HBO. I caught it, and I saw. I actually and I saw, and I saw, the the end of the of the part of the movie when they were rescuing the dinosaurs that they could off the island. I did see that. I missed a lot of the stuff, and the subplots in between. I did like. I did like uh, Jurassic World. It was in. It was interesting seeing the what a dinosaur or a, what Jurassic park would have been or could have been if things hadn't gone wrong the first time, <laughs> at least until they, you know, if they had at least not gone wrong for a certain period of time until they opened to the public, what, what it could have been like. And I, I did like that. I thought that was intriguing. And you, because it's one of those concepts as weird and, and is on some level as impossible as it probably is to ever really do that. Unless you, unless you're lucky enough to actually somewhere somehow find a, a specimen of, that's in, a dinosaur that, that has some real D, like tissue and DNA. So you could actually be able to do something with it and do, and do cloning that way to act to, to get a true dinosaur without just kind of like hodgepodge since the Amber thing seems to be, I think at this point, most people think the Amber concept from Jurassic park is not viable anymore. That, if you could, that you damn well know, parks uh, something like that would make a crap ton of money. <laughs> yeah. People, people would love to go. I mean, to see dinosaurs. I mean, especially in it, it would be, yeah, it would be. Hell, I've I've seen and adore all the Jurassic Park movies. I'd still go like, yes, let's go see the yeah, dinosaurs. I mean, <laughs> it, because <laughs> I, they I mean, break out and I die. Yes, right. I want to see dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, especially, I mean, especially if. Like I said, if it, obviously they wouldn't they they wouldn't be real, quote unquote, as in it's not like you're finding a, you know, this hollow earth where you find a whole bunch of dinosaurs never died out. That would be something different. But if you, if they were real, you know, 100 percent genetic duplicates, at least of what existed at one point, just the majesty and the being in awe of seeing those things. That's one of the things that if you could like if you could see see the world at different points in time that would be one of the things i would be really curious about seeing maybe seeing the world like the day before and then the day of when the asteroid hit just seeing how what what the entire world looked like and and then and getting the full literally the full impact of how everything changed after that but everybody loves dinosaurs everybody will always love dinosaurs so i think that's why this is this is a franchise that you know you can run it into the ground there's no doubt but it's going to take a lot of work to just kill that franchise because it's just something in us as kids that ironically has not really changed from one of the few things that from generation to generation and going back even before, you know, before me and obviously through Chad and everybody else that kids just there's something about dinosaurs that kids just love. 
Now, for me, the real draw on this movie is whether a whether it's going to be like a conclusion on any real level to this trilogy or whether they just plan on doing it, making it an ongoing series. Obviously, they're all connected, but whether it's going to have a beat, a beat to it, uh, since they were kind of since they kind of had a more of a plan for this one than they did as far as these movies than they did with the original, since you knew there was just one book at the time. And then Crichton wrote a sequel, which was a sequel to the book, not a sequel to the movie. And they had to do some changes. And then the third movie was a piece of crap because they didn't have a script until even while they were filming it, they were still working on the script. So, and there's good things in it, some things in it, but, but there's like, not like a common cohesive storyline carrying through, but the idea of bringing back the original three stars and, and by all accounts and non cameos too, that they have substantial roles in this movie. I think that's the real draw. So when you see the trailers and you, and you see the combination of dinosaurs living or interacting with, you know, basically human society now, and then you see the tie in with Goldblum and Sam Neill and Laura Dern. Yeah. I think that's going to, this certainly has potential to do tons of money. For sure. I uh, just hope we don't get to the point where they actually, at the end credits, tease the crossover everybody apparently wants, which is Jurassic Park and freaking uh, Fast and Furious. I was thinking, I'm trying to think which one. Would you, I, the thought crossed my mind there was another one that Jurassic Park could have crossed over with that would have been more. Yeah, there the, the rumors have been like it, the. I don't know how it came up, but the director was like, I'm not going to rule it out. And now the internet has exploded with the idea of Fast and Furious crossing over with Jurassic Park stuff. And it's like, oh, God. Yeah, I don't think we're getting I don't think we're getting there. Thank God. But but there's other franchises that would be that would be more interesting to cross over with Jurassic Park than uh, to, to, to be fair. You're also talking to a guy who was like there was a solicitation for a comic book recently. Colin Bunn's going to be writing a mini series where Godzilla crosses over with the Power Rangers, and I was like, awesome. <laughs> Godzilla, so, Godzilla's met up with worse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, kaiju fighting Zords, whatever. Uh, <laughs> all right, number three. Number three. I'm gonna. I basically decided to include this because I had the other two, I believe, on my list over the last few years. And while neither one of the two really has paid off, I'm going to be I'm going to go for the trifecta and at least be consistent. So I have Halloween ends, which you can almost put a ha 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 because, you know, Halloween is not really going to end no matter what they do to wrap up the storyline. Begin in 2018's sequel that, you know, it's only a matter of time before they do another Halloween movie with. With or without Michael Myers, but the odds are it'll be Michael Myers because they know that's the cash cow. Halloween Kills wasn't that good from my perspective. I didn't think the first, I didn't think Halloween 2018 was great, but it was better than Halloween Kills. Halloween ends. I'm o- I'm only intrigued because I know there's going to be a time jump, and it does for what for better or for worse. It takes place in a in a world in which yes, COVID did take place during this gap. So there really was a pandemic. I'm not sure how that affects Michael Myers. I know Ryan and I joked about that Michael Myers, maybe he'll double double mask and make people happy. I'm curious about the time jump, not really related to the pandemic, clearly, but just the time jump in general. And I'm curious just about how they resolve, how they resolve what they're going to do with Michael Myers since they seemingly are going down the road that you just can't beat him with brute force. So the question is, how are you going to actually be able to beat him? 
that that's that's what that's what I'm curious about. I don't have a lot of confidence that this movie is going to be any more going to resonate with me any more than the than the last two movies did. But I want to see how it ends, and I am looking forward just to the to see how it pays off or doesn't pay off. So yeah, uh, unfortunately, I you know I just don't have the history with. I still need to do the watch that I said I was going to do where I watch what what was it? It was watch the original and then watch the new ones or was it watch the original two and then the new ones it, that's 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 where it comes that's where it's your call it really comes down to what what you want to maybe for the hell of it it would be more interesting for you to do since to watch the original then do 2018 do 2018 do ki- and then kills and then do and then then do this one and then after the fact go back and watch the original Halloween or maybe at that point, go back, watch the watch the uh, 1978 one again, then watch the 1981 Halloween two and see which, which storyline or which sequel that picks up after the first movie you like. You think <laughs> choose your better. own adventure of my own personal canon. <laughs> yeah. Because that's basically, that's what, ha- I mean, ha- ha- Halloween basically is arguably at least they have at least three, at least three different timelines, really, because you have you have the Halloween, Halloween, Halloween one, Halloween two, technically four, five and six, I think all take place in the same timeline. Then you have oh, actually, there was another, there's one extra timeline because you have one you have when H2O came out, H2O, I think, was a direct sequel in the H2O Resurrection Universe. Halloween one and Halloween two took place, but none of the others did just because mostly because of time frame. If, if you, when you, if you watch them all, you'd understand that there's a, there's a, t- between the child that, uh, Laurie Strode supposedly had that Jamie that carried on in four five and six, the age doesn't really jibe with, with the age of her son in H2O. So it, it's not other than that. They, if there was slightly a slight difference, you could have said it, they don't really talk about anything in the movie that makes it definitively states that the other ones didn't take place but essentially you have you have so you have like three or four timelines and that's inc- if you include the rob zombie garbage as its own timeline uh or its own universe that's more what it is its own universe really so yeah it, it is like a choose your own adventure it kind of it kind of it kind of forks it kind of forks all over the place so it, it really is up it really is up to you it's it's similar but different to is like if you were showing somebody star Wars for the first time. It's like, well, do you start four five and six? Because those were the ones made first. Do you show them in the order the movies were made and go four, five, six, one, two, three, then go to the sequels. Or now that you have all these in episodic order, do you show the person the movies in episodic order? Because obviously you get a different few, someone would get a different vibe off the movies, watching them in episodic order. It's similar, but not the same. It's because everything in one through nine takes place in the same continuity. While at Halloween, clearly they do not. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, my number three is Black Adam. Let's just be honest. Look, uh, DC fandom had a lot of bullshit that went down with it. Uh, some concerns that I had, and especially lack of Green Lantern stuff, and so on and so forth. But I think we can all agree one of the standouts was the preview we got of uh, Black Adam. Um, teaser preview, whatever we want to call it. It looked badass. Um, and uh, I think we all know, listeners will know, I'm hyped for this because we're going to get some freaking uh, JSA stuff. Uh, of course, would I like to see, you know, Jay Garrick and Alan Scott? Yeah, great. I would. That would be 
freaking wish list kind of stuff. But at the same time, we're getting Dr. Fate and Cyclone and Adam Smasher and Hawkman uh, on a live action, big screen, huge budget production movie. Um, Pierce Brosnan, of all people, is freaking playing Dr. Fate. And we know, I mean, it, I mean, it really depends, uh, you know, how they're going to do it. But, you know, Dr. Fate, you know, being being Dr. Fate uh, and being host to Nabu is a mind bending sort of a thing. And, you know, oftentimes the the person who plays host to them, like Kent Nelson, is portrayed as very scatterbrained, um, almost mentally ill at times, uh, schizophrenic. I'd be really curious to see if they go that route, how Pierce Brosnan is able to pull that off. Like we just, I think we're so used to seeing him in action and serious and normal, whatever sort of circumstances that seeing him play off kilter and uh, un- unstable and whatever would be very interesting to me because it's a period piece for the most part. Um, I, I'm I'm wondering about the inclusion of Cyclone because Cyclone is supposed to be one of like the younger generation of heroes you know like in in the jeff johns run of of jsa we had you know the old guard of dr fate and adam smasher and hawkman and and jay garrick and and alan scott and stuff but they were teaching the younger generation uh that came up afterwards which would be you know your star girl uh your cyclone and stuff like that so i'm wondering is is this a kind of retcon or whatever a change to cyclone's origin um uh, you know, is is this all supposed to be taking place back in ancient conduct times? I don't believe so. Based on the uh, based on the preview we saw, you know, with those people in the cryptome or whatever, they had flashlights and guns and stuff. So, how much of this is period piece? How much of this is is not? Um, I'm very curious. Will we see the JSA throughout multiple eras in this? Will we see Hawkman reincarnated? And speaking of Hawkman. The only live action Hawkmans we've seen have been on television and it's been too middling effects, how they, how the helmet looks, how the wings look. I mean, obviously with a TV budget, things can look very janky and we, a la Smallville, uh, they can look slightly better than they did uh, in Smallville on things like legends of tomorrow. But with a, with a silver screen budget, uh, you know, the, the big screen, what does Hawkman look like in live action big screen budget i'm just just that alone makes me curious and this has been a fucking passion project for the rock so like how much i mean he he has been pushing this hard so what does his performance look like in a in a project that he is this passionate about and has been championing for so long plus i hear we all know the rock is ridiculously jacked i hear he got even more jacked for this film so like you know that that's fucking commitment because i i think i read somewhere that in order for actors who are you know just straight up jacked to appear even more jacked on uh on a take they'll purposely get dehydrated for a little bit because it makes your muscles pop more so like i mean there's there's physical exertion just to being that (laughs) that insane and if he's if he's got a passion behind it to invest capital, to keep pushing with the producers and the, and the production team and, and, and really the, the um, with Warner 
over the years that he's been pushing this and devote, you know, body to this. Uh, this is this is on deck to be something really special. Does that mean it will be? I mean, with the history of DC films lately, it's a coin flip whether or not you can just anticipate an, a, a, a knockout film. But I think if any DC property coming up soon, and we're talking things like you know Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and and, and Aquaman, Lost Kingdom, and and those other things that we're expecting, even the Batman, I think. Black Adam has the the possibility to be the if one of those DC expected upcoming DC films is going to shine, this one has the possibility to be the one. I'm hyped. It definitely has the possibility for breakthrough potential more than and again you could also make a case as I say that that the other ones we're talking about aren't don't don't need quote unquote breakthrough because people already know who the characters are. You can make the the Flash is weak. As far as because not just this incarnation of the Flash, but that movie was in production and pre-production hell for so long. The Ezra Miller Flash movie uh, that you can make a case that has that needs it. But that that has the Michael Keaton uh, life support ring around it, uh, the life preserver to help to help that one. But I think, yeah, I think obviously we got the little snippet. When we get a full on, you know, teaser trailer, a real teaser trailer, not I mean, I don't consider that. I mean, they call it a teaser, but I've been assuming for this a movie like this, we'll probably get at least two more trailers. We'll probably get whether it they whether they call it a teaser or it's trailer one. I'm assuming we'll get since this movie is not out till July, almost beginning, almost the beginning of August, that we will probably get at least two full trailers for this movie. I think there's a chance that this could really, really draw people in. I'm hoping it's going to be good. I'm certainly interested in the, it's cool focusing in on it, even though we can take it based on everything we're getting already off of this movie. Even when we heard about it before that it's, we're not getting, you know, we're not getting true villain black Adam. We're getting anti-hero black Adam, but the idea of focusing in on a character that historically is a villain and not not like oh the Joker, but I mean someone who's a not an A tier villain. That that's an interesting choice. Just like we know with the whole should the interesting choice of not introducing Black Adam into Shazam, which I think I think tonally and or even plot wise we might we might get an idea in this movie of why that's the case, why that was not the appropriate time and place to introduce Black Adam back into that that world or our I mean we world. we hinted at him. Yeah, yeah, at the end and everything. But No, no, um, no, no, in 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 the uh in the wizard's explanation of the history of the powers. Yeah, that's true too. You're right. They they they, yeah. they did. Now, I, I am I am looking forward to this movie. I am and I am curious to see what they what they're going to do with with the, with the JSA. That's an that's an interesting that's an interesting call. But it's but it makes but it's clever on one level because it obviously opens the door for the for a whole that whole other team without tying it to the JLA, especially when you don't have any idea what's going to happen with the JLA based on no. what WB. So I'm I'm excited. I am excited for this project. This was one of the ones that Chad and I both had. It probably it, it would have been a contender for number one on my list, but it was. But again, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I know as Chad mentioned. The Rock's been wanting to do this movie for a, a long time, and and hopefully it will be worth the wait for 
everybody. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I would have. I, I was debating on putting it at number two. Uh, you know, you know, my number one. I, I just I couldn't put it at number one. But uh, the, I'll explain why number two it it, it slotted into into the third spot when we get to there. So uh, your number two. My number two will be Thor: Love and Thunder. Now again, we talk about another project that we literally have seen nothing of, other than some some artwork and a few stills here and there. I think are taken on set. We really have seen nothing about this movie yet, which is somewhat surprising considering the only reason it's coming out as late as it is because of everything being pushed back. That the filming on this movie, I think, has been done for quite some time. But I am a little concerned still about what the, how they're going to approach the the Jane as Thor concept because Thor really isn't a mantle Thor is a, is a person we understand the hammer gives you the power of Thor but you're not Thor Captain America was a Thor he just had the powers of Thor so that whole that whole thing they did in the comics I'm not a not a fan of if we work under the assumption that it's our Jane Foster, not like another Jane Foster in the multiverse, uh, that it's, I don't know how they're going to rectify that, but I have faith enough in Taika Waititi to not prejudge it. But, I'm, but it, but it is a natural concern when they first announced, when they first announced the project, I'm curious to see what the guardian's role is going to be, even though it's probably a cameo It's probably in the beginning of the movie, just to get Thor literally from point A to point B. So we see, so we get Thor removed from the the situation he was in the last time we saw him, which was with the Guardians, and sets Thor on his own path for this movie, and also gets the Guardians on their path, so they don't have to deal with any Thor hangover in Guardians Three. So that's probably very likely to be a cameo, even if they, I mean, you could have another cameo or something at the end, but the reality is it's probably going to be a whatever role they have in this movie on on screen will probably be very small and be in the very beginning of, of the movie. It'll be cool to see Tessa Thompson come back in, in more of an active role, at least back in the, in, you know, she was really good in, in Ragnarok. So I like the idea of keeping, keeping Valkyrie going forward in, in this. It still bothers me that we have, and again, I know there's rumors that we're going to say that Balder is going to show up somewhere it still bothers the hell out of me that they've had all these movies with Asgard and we have, Oh, and Sif, right? Sif is supposed to show back up in this movie. Yeah. She's the one I actually really, I think I meant to go down the road of, but, but Tessa Thompson popped into my head that Balder, I mean, Balder is so important to Norse mythology, let alone the, the Marvel mythology of Bob I mean, death of the death of Balder is the beginning is what brings Ragnarok in, you know, that's that, that was like the, once Balder dies, that because that that pretty much sets the wheels in motion for Ragnarok in mythology and when they kind of did that in the comics at one point too. So the fact that they introduced all these Norse gods and they never gave us Balder the Brave is so weird. But that's that probably not here nor there. I'd like to see him clearly seeing Christian Bale as a bad guy. That's I'm looking for. I am definitely looking forward to that. There's a lot of rumors of other cameos, some other characters that we've seen that we've seen uh, before in different movies too. But it should be fun. I'm sure Taika Waititi will at least carry over a lot of some of the tone of Ragnarok, even if you some people, if you're one of the people that thought Ragnarok was maybe too silly. I don't know if this movie will be as silly as Ragnarok, but I think it, it's it's going to have some natural humor in it because people have gravitated towards that part of Thor 
since uh, Ragnarok and carrying over, even in Infinity War and maybe Fat Thor had played itself out in, in, in Endgame, but people saw that, you know, but people, as much as they made a joke of Thor, he was still funny. The, the comic aspect of Chris Hemsworth comes across so well that it would be ridiculous not to take advantage of that, of the, of the humor one way or the other. So that's my number two. Yeah, I couldn't put Thor Love and Thunder on there. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I have a lot of attachment to Thor. Thor is one of my favorite Marvel characters, period. Um, definitely top five. Um, but we just we haven't seen anything about this film. So I could not bring myself to put it on the list. That being said, I mean, I I, I agree with you and disagree with you, man, on, on the whole mantle thing, because. As a Thor fan, you know, you've had, you know, Eric Masterson uh, being going by Thunderstrike. I know when one of the many times that Thor died, Valkyrie became Thor for a while. Um, There's alternate universe stuff, of course, all the time. You've got, of course, my boy, Beta Ray Bill, uh, Jane Foster, of course, comic wise, there's there's basis for that. Even before Thor was born, Odin wielded Mjolnir. Uh, and you know acted in in that sort of role you know even wore a winged helmet stuff like that but he um, wasn't thor <laughs> no, no 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 i know but that's but that's but that's what i'm saying is there's I, I i agree and disagree with you thor isn't a mantle he's a guy he's the god of thunder he's a specific person but also you know there have been times when even thor himself was like yeah no 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 straight up call yourself thor because of uh, you know, so I don't know, uh, but that's 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 neither here nor there. It's not a point worth even arguing. Uh, it, but I am curious to see how they do this. I thought the Jane Foster uh, Thor stuff worked well in the comics, the way they did that. But Jane Foster in the comics is a character that's been around for a long, long time, almost as long as Thor himself. So having the opportunity to know about her, her history in there, she's been developed for a long time. The relationship that she has with uh with with Thor um and everything is you know it, for for those of you who don't know and and I think at this point it's been several years. So uh, apologies folks if this is is a, a spoiler for you. Don't listen um but jane foster has cancer in the story and she is dying uh she is worthy to pick up the hammer but she's on a clock uh and at some point she dies uh in in all of this and and by the way becomes a valkyrie in all this you know whatever marvel but i don't think natalie portman's jane foster has earned all of that. that again that's even assuming that they go there uh, they go that route with making her Thor. Like what are the conditions under which she becomes Thor and, and all this stuff. Uh, but also like, you know, I, I'm just, I'm very, I, Natalie Portman is a great actress. She has, I, I, I'm basically at the point with this where I'm like, I'm going to have to see it to buy it. I'm not yet sold until I see something. But I'll have faith that the that they're that they believe that they see something that is worth putting in front of audiences, and I'll leave it at that. But yeah, there there's I was very cons I was I was simultaneously excited and concerned when they announced that they were going this route with Jane Foster Thor. I get that the comic and the event and and all of this stuff that that 
the the arc that we had i think with was jason aaron i think that was the writer who did the the jane foster thor stuff um that was hugely popular hugely successful so if you want to you know make a modern successful comic into a movie you know that's that's something that's something to go but it really depends on how they do it because in a way the Jane Foster, Jason Aaron stuff was, was earned by Jane and this Jane, we have seen barely anything about. We haven't learned much about her. I don't think anybody's really even attached to Jane at this point in terms of a character that you care about in the Thor mythos. We would rather see more of, odin more of uh the warriors three more of loki more we i don't think anybody really cares too much hell darcy at this point with the the wandavision stuff i think people a lot of people care more about darcy than they do jane so uh as a thor fan that that bothers me i wish they would have spent time on developing who jane is because like i said a minute ago she's been around almost as long as thor himself so uh, she's a big part of that mythos, uh, and you, Balder, of course, is a big part of Thor mythos, even outside of Marvel, just Norse mythology. But I, I would argue, Marvel speaking, Marvel continuity, Marvel history speaking, outside of Norse mythology, I would argue Jane is just as important as Balder. And I don't know that we're anybody is 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 interested in the Jane that we have in the MCU. But you're correct; they really haven't developed jane um there was a chance i think where they went and you know building on their relationship in the second movie which is probably one of the few things maybe that worked in the second movie but the completely eliminating her from the avengers movies at all completely eliminating her in ragnarok it just opened you know it just kind of opened that gap that I think that, that 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 and I'm sure they're going to address that. They're going to address that in this movie. So depending how they address it, maybe it is. Yeah, it's also the physical the physical transformation into Thor. It's going to you know, her version, the mighty Thor. That's going to be that might be a hard self with Natalie Portman, too. Um, but we'll we'll see. I mean, they don't necessarily have to jack her up all that much because it's not like it's not like every time you pick up the hammer, you just like kind of like it. It's not, it's not like Banner turning into the Hulk. So it just not, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm hopeful about this movie. The top two movies on this list, I'm more hopeful than the, any of the other. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm absolutely going to see it in theater. Uh, I'm anticipating being excited based on when we get a trailer, but there's just too much for me to be like, mm, yeah, I have to wait and see what they actually do before I can just you know whole hog get behind it but yeah all right my number two morbius the living vampire it's that's not part of the title but whatever which got pushed back again uh which before i even get into why morbius is number two and not black adam mark do you want to comment at all about the getting pushback thing what what do you see in that and what do you think that means i don't Again, people people love to read. I mean, it's where we are in, in the world, society. People read into everything. I don't think it means as much as a lot of people just want to all of a sudden just go, oh, it's COVID. That's why it moved. I'm not saying COVID or the, fe- or the nervousness didn't have any kind of effect on it. 
I don't. But even when they first announced the move, there were rumors that Sony really was doing this more because they wanted to give Spider-Man a clear path because there was nothing else really. Well, I, th- I think Scream's actually going to make some money, but there really isn't anything in in the month of January to derail Spider-Man from continuing to just make money. It's obviously it's going to make less than it's made, but you know, it made like 33, $33 million last weekend. And it was supposed to make like 25, 28. So this movie is after a relatively steep second week drop is holding really well. So what, so this first story that came out that I was reading was when they moved it, it they wanted to just give more breathing room between more Morbius and Spider-Man. Then there's a then of course then there's rumors about oh they might be shooting something with Andrew Garfield to put into somewhere you know whether it's an after credit scene or something into Morbius that so we will know that obviously till the movie comes out whether there's any truth whether there's any truth in that I don't I don't think at this point because no other made no other shoe has dropped now if Scream had moved like right after Morbius or maybe or even before Morbius then maybe since Scream was coming out first, but Scream didn't, Scream hasn't moved. And as of now, nothing else major has pushed back. Even, even something from February, I don't think anything has been pushed back. We're probably realistically going to, we're going to, we probably have already hit the peak of this wave. So the reality is it's probably going to start going down again, just like, just like the Delta variant did. Because seemingly that's what's going on in I think South Africa and and maybe even England at this point. So I wouldn't read that much into Morbius being pushed back. And and let's be honest, so far so as weird as some of their decisions have have seemed on the surface, they've all paid off for Sony. So let's just assume Sony knows what it's doing right now. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Morbius is number two for a couple of reasons. One that you know it's 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 just we've seen a lot of this movie already. Uh, and in the fact that a trailer existed, what in 2020 or something that's sometime exactly. in 2020, that's probably correct. Cause at this point, I don't even remember what its original release date was. I don't remember. It wasn't the, wasn't it the, wasn't it the fall of 2020? I, th- I think it was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. We've seen a lot of stuff from this movie considering because it's been out there so long. Yeah, for sure. And and we've had time to chew on it, think about it, you know, and as other movies come out like Venom, Venom versus Carnage, um the 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 new Spider-Man movie and stuff like that, just the idea of what it ties into, how it ties in, what it can mean, blah blah blah, just keeps getting amped and amped and amped. For me personally, I I I have problems with Jared Leto, Leto the person, uh, and that's all I'll say about that. Um, but that being said, I'm very curious to see what their plans are with this, what they want to do with this. Uh, you know, they pushed it back so far now uh, after completion that with these other movies that have come out, the fact that it's it's still being released and all of this, like, how does it tie in? How does it? The curiosity is just building for me like crazy. I'm really sold based on recent uh, trailers. I like uh, I like the effects that they're using for this. I'm a sucker for vampires to begin with. I just I just think at this point we know so much about this film uh, and also so little about it that it's it's just this huge 
it's this huge blank spot in where certain things are headed that we just we need to it's this missing piece of the puzzle that we need to slot in to be able to solve other pieces of the puzzle or start to speculate about where other pieces of the puzzle are headed and i'm i'm waiting with bated breath to see this movie that doesn't mean i expect this movie to be a 9 out of a 10 or a 10 out of a 10 or whatever in terms of quality and execution or anything it's just it's such a big blank spot. I need to know what the hell happens in this thing and how does it fit into the rest of everything else, whether it's the rest of the Sony-verse, the rest of the MCU, half, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. I don't forget. Like, there's a blank spot. It's bugging me. I need to see it. And they just keep kicking the can down the road, and it's just making me more anxious to see it. Uh, whereas Black Adam... Yes, there's so much that I went over, uh, you know, when I spoke about that, that I'm interested in and want to see and I'm curious about. But realistically, we've only seen so much. And the DCU as a the DC, the, the DCU as a film uh, franchise and stuff is so up in the air and disjointed by itself. It's it's while Black Adam can be considered a blank spot that needs to be filled so we can figure out and speculate where we're going with other things. The, the DC films are so disjointed and disconnected anyways from each other at this point that it doesn't really factor in. And, you know, the rock has been pushing that movie for so long. I'm pretty sure. um, Will there be ties to Shazam and stuff like that? And the other DC characters, I'm sure. But the Black Adam, I have a feeling, is is going to be more of its own thing than people think. Um, whereas Morbius just seems to to pivot on so many things that I'm just, I, and we've seen so much of it already that I have a feeling I know what the movie's going to be, but I don't know the details and how it fits in and it slots. And and I'm talking in circles at this point, but I'm just, what is this film? is just pounding in my head the more and more gets referenced. More, Morbius was another one that would have been, it probably would have been number five on my list. I have hope for Morbius too. I've been looking forward to it. It is a, rel- you know, obviously it's a relatively obscure comic book character in the big picture. Um, but it, it, it is a character that is certainly interesting. And it is a character that clearly based on his history has plenty of ties to Spider-Man and also based on what Marvel is doing with the MCU going down the horror road, that it clearly has potential for Morbius to play a role and other character for a crossover one way or the other. If, if if the powers that be decide they want to go that route, there's certainly opportunities there with, with Morbius. It's you're right. This does this, we know the basic premise of the movie. We don't necessarily know. It's more to me, it is more interesting seeing where the character ends up in his struggle between the light and the dark by the end of the movie. And also, yes, how it relates to this, the bigger universe, because obviously there's all different hints throughout this, the trailers that make it seem like, Oh, it could take place in this universe or it takes, has to take place in that universe. It's like, how could, you know, if it's, if it's, uh, if Michael Keaton is the same Adrian Toomes and how is, how is that possible if they're not in the MCU and, and Venom, but Venom exists. So it clearly is in the MCU. 
because well, they alluded. We assume we are led to believe certainly they were alluding to Venom when they when they first say the thing in San Francisco. But we know he he says you know he does the I am Venom thing at the end of the trailer. So clearly Venom is a thing in his universe. I'm just I'm just hoping that they give us they give us something to make it make sense because or else unless all that unless we find out hey some of these things are not in the actual movie. <laughs> but no I'm. I am looking forward to Morbius. I'm hoping that it's gonna that the that Sony streak continues in the and it's worth the wait. For sure. All right, number ones. All right, so number one is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This really was to me. This was like the the biggest no brainer for me on this list. It was it's the only it's the only one that really could have been number one. That being said, do I have the passion for this movie at the moment that I did for Spider-Man, even at the same point, which is hard to measure since so many movies have been pushed back. But once we knew what Spider-Man was going to be about, even with the non-confirmed Toby and Andrew stuff, that Spider-Man, there was something about that idea and the fact that it was concluding the trilogy. And there's the eternal debate about whether you know he's staying in the MCU or not staying in the MCU, that there was a lot more of a buzz about Spider-Man. Then there certainly has been up to this point about Doctor Strange. Doesn't mean some of that won't change. I think there will be buzz. I just don't know if the buzz is going to be. I don't know how big Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness can be from a from a financial perspective. I don't think it's going to be do No Way Home money. I don't think it's going to do that. Doctor Strange is inherently not as popular a character as Spider Man, so you would have to do a whole shit ton of really clever marketing of some of the cameo and you don't want to give away everything, but you would have to make it clear about certain characters showing up much like they did with no way home with making it clear that the, you know, that the villains were in the movie that they would have to give something related to the characters from the multiverse that we're going to see to start getting people super pumped for this movie. There's going to be interest. You're going to have people that were, you know, obviously it's the first tie into the real tie into the, the, the TV shows on Disney plus with Wanda, just seeing Wanda and Dr. Strange interact. Like some of the stuff we talked about last week, what, how much of a villain is Wanda going to be? Is she really the big bad in this movie? Is she a partial bad guy? Is she a bad guy because she's being manipulated? Is she a bad guy just by choice? Is she redeemable at the end? Where is she at the end? If you know, if she starts, if she ends up being a villain in the course of the movie, is she still a villain when the movie ends? And Doctor Strange and, and where the and where the multiverse is going to be? Are we going to get resolution to to the whole frac you know the whole fracturing of the multiverse that seemingly has been taking place since Loki? That you know Loki, Spider Man, and Wanda in a uh, multiverse of madness were all supposed to be basically like this tri- this multiverse trilogy, if you will. How are how are things left at the end of this? At the end of this? So those are the those are my main interests in this movie, but. Again, for it's weird having an MCU movie that having a year with a bunch of MCU movies that I'm not passionate about any of them. But Doctor Strange is the one that I'm looking forward to the most. So that became number one for me. For sure. I mean, I, I don't know how much I, more I can add other than what I said last episode about that, because we talked a bit about that trailer. Um, basically, all I feel about it is that, it, you know, is based on that trailer. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, 
I want to see where it goes. I think in terms of anticipation, even though we've actually seen stuff of this movie, if I were to rank them, I'd probably still be more interested in Thor Love and Thunder than I am in in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, There's obviously aspects of it uh, that I'm curious about, but I I think think at this point, it might just honestly boil down to preference of Marvel characters in general. I just know more about Thor um, than I do about Doctor Strange. So I can, you know, kind of picture in my head where things could go. Um, and that makes me more excited than something I've already seen in terms of the Doctor Strange teaser that we got. Um, but I, I mean, I am excited for it. Obviously, I'm going to go see it. Obviously, I'll buy the Blu-ray and stick it on my shelf when it comes out. I'm sure it'll be great. But I wonder if that's almost a a problem with these Marvel films being so great at this point is like the the, the degrees of very, you know, they're all going to be above a five, uh, above a six, maybe even above a seven. Um, but at some point, if they're all so fantastic, you know, how can you even be like super stoked for it? It's like, yeah, I'm sure it'll be great. It's Marvel. I'm going to see it. <laughs> so, you know, how st- at, at some point you might hit a point of diminishing returns on excitement just in general, because like, yeah, I'm looking forward to see where the MCU goes, but I'm sure it'll be great. And uh, it's Marvel. I'm going to see it. So what what else do you want from me? <laughs> I'm, tickets already sold before you even announce what the movie's going to be. <laughs> Preaching to the choir vocalman. <laughs> uh, all right. My number one, speaking of tickets already sold, uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. I don't think anybody should be shocked by this one. Uh like, you know, just thinking, I've been thinking about it, uh, you know, obviously we've been talking and stuff, but I've been thinking about it in the back of my mind, mulling it over uh, th- throughout the episode. I'm, I am 98.9% confident in saying that uh, Into the Spider-Verse is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Obviously, I've only seen uh, this most recent Spider-Man movie once. I need to see it a couple more times and stuff, but there's lots of stuff in it I loved and am excited about. But the rewatchability that into the spider verse has for me um my love of the soundtrack the animation the detail they put in it the background stuff the colors the the i mean just just the story there's just so there's so much about into the spider verse i just absolutely adore and that is a movie that not only can i put it out on as background and be satisfied um, but I also can just sit and just watch it start to finish ass in the seat, zoned in, dialed into it and still be loving every minute of it. I really like that movie and I love what it did when we got the teaser for part one that came out recently. It just, it, I mean, it just picks up right where it left off. I, I'm not a person who buys Spider-Man comics, but one of the very, very few ones I did buy was every issue of the original Spider-Verse story when it was solicited. Uh, and up until a couple of years ago, I had every issue, including the first appearance of Spider-Gwen, um, which I had sold for like two, three hundred dollars or something a couple of years ago. But I have the trades of the Spider-Verse stuff on, on the shelf. I love that story uh, a lot, clearly. Uh, and um there's obviously some dark shit in that story in terms of in, in terms of you know them killing spider spider-man across the universe and stuff like that 
or the multiverse. Um, so I, I don't know how, how far into that threat we're going to go, but the idea of coming up with the, the wrist gauntlet thing that helps you traverse the multiverse safely, that is in the original Spider-Verse story. Uh, and it makes me wonder how far we can go with this. And even if they don't touch on any of the stuff uh, uh, from the original Spider-Verse story, that first film garnered so much goodwill with me that I just, I don't fucking care. I'm here for the ride. I don't know what else to say other than I am so impressed by that first outing that I, I, I like you have my trust. You have my money. Take me where we're going next. I am in. So um, I don't know how you feel about it, but that's really all I can say, man. I am just fucking, I'm here for it. I'm in, I'm sold. <laughs> Chad preaching to the choir. <laughs> uh, this is squarely in the middle, in my middle of the road list. I enjoyed, I enjoyed into the spider verse. I didn't love into the spider verse. I don't think I actually have ever seen the, the into the spider verse one full time where I didn't fall asleep on it. Cause I think I've actually only seen it the first time. So I, I've only seen it the one time I went to the theater and I dozed off somewhere around somewhere around the, with the, when Peter got killed, the original Peter was getting killed somewhere in that area. I don't even know how long it was out for. That's, that's, that's in the, I mean, almost the first. It is. It, I know it, it, is, it is. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I know it's in relatively early in the beginning of the movie, but I don't think I've ever, even when, when it was on Netflix and everything else, I don't think I ever sat down to watch it again in my list, but I never watched it. I am interested in it. Again, it's something I don't have a lot of passion about. In my mind, it's hard for me to see any version of Gwen Stacy where it's not dealing with Peter. uh, Because that's... I can't even necessarily say that's how I grew up. Because much like Green Lantern... Much like technically I started reading Green Lantern when Hal was already gone. But I'm a Hal Jordan guy. I technically started reading Spider-Man when Gwen Stacy was really gone. But I kind of have always been pro-Gwen more than pro... Mary Jane. I haven't been anti Mary Jane, just have been pro, just like I'm not anti Kyle. But it's hard to me, for me to see. I mean, I'm glad the, the character of Gwen Stacy on some level has been resurrected and is and is popular and getting to do things. It's just obviously not our the main universe is Gwen Stacy. I'll be no, honest. I mean, I'm sure I'll see it. I'm uh, I am sure I will see it. Spider Man 2099 stuff I find somewhat interesting. Uh, we really have no idea what the plot's going to be and what, you know, what, 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 what issues they're dealing with. So, yeah, the, given that it's a part one, that also is giving me precedent to think maybe they're tying more into this original Spider-Verse story than I thought, because if they're going to make two movies out of this, then that's, I mean, that's what you would need to tell this story. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I but I I am I knew it'd be your number one. I I am look I am looking forward to it. So all right, what's next? Should we alternates monkey crap? What do we do? Uh, because we are running long. So let's see what the best way to do this. Um, we should we obviously there's some I think there are some middle of the road movies that I, we I at least want to mention. Uh, and obviously you probably have a few too. So uh, we don't necessarily have to mention all of our middle of the road because uh, logically the middle of the road column is going to be the biggest. Uh, when we when we do these things, because I think I've got a, a fifteen. Yeah, I've I 
I think I have more than that, but I, I started off with a lot of stuff in the middle of the road, stuff that it's so clear cut often what, when you're going through the release date list, what's going to be where and what's going to, so for me, I'll, I'll, let's say we do five to start with, uh, and then we can, the Batman's in the list. Yep. Trailer looks good. Both, all the trailers have looked good. I don't have a, I don't really have a doubt the movie's going to be entertaining. Pattinson as Bruce Wayne is not working. Yeah, Maybe it's the, wild, it's the wild card. That is the ultimate because realistically speaking, if we've learned anything through Batman movies and arguably TV shows too, but Batman, is, but movies, especially playing Batman is easy. Bruce Wayne is hard. Uh, the one who's the ones who do Bruce Wayne really, really well are the ones that stand out with maybe the asterisk to Michael Keaton. Cause he really didn't do Bruce Wayne all that well, but there was a nuance to him. And, and because Michael Keaton hadn't done any drama at that point, really, it was, it, it was such a massive shift for him, but I'm thinking more, obviously we, we know Christian Bale is certainly even Ben Affleck's to a, to a large extent did a good Bruce Wayne and Val Kilmer actually as as lousy as his Batman was. He was the first one that kind of had the aloofness, that you would think Bruce Wayne at least would have really been dealing with people with maybe the exception of Alfred, but most people, nothing I've seen in either of the two trailers for Batman makes me think he's going to be a believable Bruce Wayne. And that's what concerns me about that one. Uh, yeah. But, it's on my list too. Mom, I'm here so far for Riddler. That's it. Yes. So far Riddler seems to be the, and Catwoman. I'll give, and I'll give Zoe Kravitz credit. She looks like she kind of has the essence, I think. Yeah. So I, 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 but that's my concern with that movie. The Flash, the Flash is on the list again, tying, tying it directly into what I just said a second ago because of Michael Keaton. If Michael Keaton was not attached to this pseudo Flashpoint variation project, I don't know how much interest I would have in it. I honestly don't know how much interest anybody would have in it at this point. If you didn't know Michael Keaton was coming back as Batman, along with the idea that you know you're going to see Ben Affleck's last, not that. He's that popular in the role, though I think it's not fair to him. I think he's done fine with it. Uh, maybe once you became the warmer, the kinder, gentler, you know, Batman, that kind of ruined it a little bit. Although, I mean, taking it down a notch is fine, but becoming overly warm and fuzzy is not something Bruce Wayne really ever is. That seeing Ben Affleck's last turn as Batman will be interesting. I, we don't know really much about the plot, other this, and we haven't seen much to know anything other than the Michael Keaton confirmation. So that is, that's to me what ties that movie and makes that the middle of the road list. Yep. Same here. Creed three, which we had talked about right before we started recording, which was the movie I almost slotted back into to number five Creed. There's so little about Creed three. We know nothing about Creed three other than some casting news. I think it's filming now. It's like one of the most mysterious sequels of all time. It's like, I didn't even know it was slotted for 2022 release date until Chad and I were going through the list like last week. And this is a franchise that I, a Rocky franchise that I care about, but Rocky's not supposed to be in this one. And I don't know based on the first two movies in this franchise, if we, if Adonis Creed has done enough to be able to carry a movie entirely on his own, unless his personality's kind of really done it, done a certain amount of shifting that it hadn't in the first two movies. Cause he, there is that roughness about him that it's kind of was offset because of Rocky. Uh, and, and the ties to Rocky is why the people cared about going to see those movies. Now, yeah, there's two movies. He should be able to stand mostly on his own, but I still, it's a, it's a franchise, it's a movie I should be passionate about, but I'm not. 
but I'm curious enough that it should still be on the list. Yep. Um, so if I pick, and I'm just going to pick two more. I'm going to pick The Black Phone, which is a horror movie by Scott Derrickson, who was did Doctor Strange and should and was supposed to do the say, second one until he got the boot. Main reason I like it is because he also did Sinister, which I think is a fantastic horror movie. That's back on Tubi. I've been watching it a lot. It also, uh, Ethan Hawke was fantastic in Sinister. He's in this movie. And I think, uh, forget his first name, Ransom, the guy who played Dep- deputy quote-unquote so-and-so in Sinister. And Sinister 2, Sinister 2 technically. He's also in uh the black phone so there are definitely ties up tie oh tie-ins and carryovers not character wise but acting wise and writing wise and directing wise to uh the black phone so that interests me and if i had to pick one more on this list and it's not, uh i'm gonna i will just say because it's weird i'm gonna say the bride because i kind of mentioned that to you i think it's supposed to another horror movie but that but as natalie emmanuel from uh, Game of Thrones and Fast and Furious, and that's the main draw for me. It's gothic. It's supposed to be gothic mm-hmm. horror. That also has a tie to me, but Natalie Emanuel, the main reason why. Uh, I'll also pick five, but I do want to say, I'm just going to name these real quick because these are ones, guys, they just, they are what they are. We know nothing about these films other than that they're coming. So I'm just going to name them because as comic book fans, just Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, that's coming. Yep. Uh, Batgirl is coming. And Black Panther Wakanda Forever is is supposed to be coming as well. So those were also on my list. But I I, I thought they were worth mentioning because it takes two seconds to mention them. But we all three of them we know nothing about, basically. So, um, I think Batgirl, they talked a little bit about tone and stuff like that during um, uh, Fandom. But I mean, that's really about it for any of that, any of that stuff. If I were to pick three or sorry, five uh, Lightyear. Uh, Lightyear is we relatively recently got a trailer on that. That is uh, the story of Buzz Lightyear, um, but I think it's more of it's it's either it's one of two things. It's either the TV show and or movie that the action figure is based on, or it's if that world was real. Here's what Buzz Lightyear's life was would be like. And I don't know that there's really any distinction between those two, but it's spacey. It's cool. It looks interesting. It's, you know, it's it's a Disney Pixar type film. Uh, There's lots of detail, lots of cool stuff. I really like Disney Pixar stuff when it goes into space. Um Wally is one of my favorites, and I and I know that it's it's got its it, its own things, and maybe plot wise or whatever, it's not really the greatest of of them. But I just I just like the futuristic space stuff, um, and that is a sucker pull for me for Lightyear. Uh, I don't know how you feel about Lightyear if you've watched the trailer or anything yet, but it it just looks like a fun spacey action Disney Pixar flick. That is on my monkey crap list. It is something, gotcha. that I, something I will, again, I will probably see it. Doesn't have a draw to me. I think I under, yes, it's supposed to be, it's one way or the other. It's supposed to be the character that the toy Buzz Lightyear was based off of. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to. So I, I think it's supposed to be the real. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if it's supposed to be a, a movie or a TV show. I think it's supposed to be in this, in that universe. It's supposed to be supposedly a real person. And then yeah. a toy, but either way, 
which Chris Evans is is doing Buzz Lightyear or doing Lightyear. The question will be, are they going to have any reference to the toy somewhere in there? Is, is, is Tim Allen going to have anything to do in the movie? Because that seemingly is important to people. And so mm-hmm. that, that could be a that could be a strike against this movie because of the fact that it's so regardless of the high concept that it might have, that it that people are so ingrained to Buzz Lightyear and to Tim Allen doing the voice that regardless of what you want to do, kind of like in a way, maybe how uh, Harrison Ford is Han Solo. So when you do a solo prequel movie, it's like people yeah. didn't really care all that much because they don't want to see anybody else do the role. And yeah. even though it's not the same, it literally is not the same character, but you got to make people understand that and they have to care that to buy into the concept. So I did see it. There's nothing wrong with the trailer. I just yeah. didn't, it just didn't stoke any fires in me. Uh, let's see another from this list, uh, DC league of super pets. I'm very interested to see how this movie performs, uh, in a world where we have the pets movie, um, animated movie, uh, in a world where DC Supergirls has a lot of audience on their TV show or their streaming show or whatever, uh, in a world where the other, you know, uh, big screen DC comic stuff has been blockbuster action films. How does a kids based movie released into theaters perform? Because I know we've got Titans, uh, teen Titans go to the movies and stuff like that, but I don't know that that really could, could equal the caliber of something with the budget of DC league of super pets in terms of, the animation and the marketing and so on and so forth. So this is, this is a sort of test the waters wild card. I'm not sure how it's going to go. It's DC. I'm curious. I'm going to go see it. Uh, There's supposed to be green lantern in it at some point. Like I, I think in one of the trailers we saw Jessica, but do we see a green lantern pet? I don't know. I don't think the squirrel is who we think it is based on everything I've seen. Uh, so as as a Green Lantern fan, yes, I'm curious, but I just as a DC fan, this is an interesting wild card that's geared towards a completely different demographic. And I'm really curious about how it performs. Um, you know me, I'm not usually the person that follows, you know, the reviews and the box office and stuff like this, but this one's going to be interesting to watch. I can see why you would would have an interest in watching that uh, as far as the box office of it. It's, it is going to be interesting because we know animated movies don't do money. Don't generally speaking, they don't do the same amount of money as their live action counterparts. I, I thought the teaser trailer was okay for it. It was the Kevin Hart thing kind of took me out of it. I mean, I understand the rock and Kevin Hart have a good dynamic, but it kind of, I don't think it worked for me in that, in that trailer as much, but it's cutesy and it and it and depend and it it could it could do well it it could do well but again I I don't know that's in the that's in the middle of the road list for me that definitely was in the same list there's an interest all right I've got three more uh, Hocus Pocus two uh, not a lot to say about that one because we don't know much about it other than the original three actresses who played the Sanderson sisters are coming back um. I would not have been interested in a Hocus Pocus sequel if they weren't if the original actresses for the Sanderson sisters were not in it. But because they are, I'm curious. Uh, we don't know much about the plot other than 
somehow we somehow someone figures out a way to bring the Sanderson sisters back. But Hocus Pocus, I think, is, you know, one of those quintessential Halloween movies that people watch all the time. It's a big part of my childhood. My sister and I both love that film. So naturally, I'm curious about it. Um, but uh, I, I just had to mention it because when I saw it on the list, I was like, there's going to be a Hocus Pocus, too. The Sanderson sisters are back. All three of the actresses. That's cool. <laughs> Did not know that was even the thing. Um, so it shocked me enough to where I was like, hey, yeah, got to got to add it to the list. <laughs> yeah, I have no ties to that franchise, but I can understand why anybody who did have ties would be excited for it. Even though we all know going back to the well has been a pretty mixed bag when it comes to movies. Putting putting the band back together has not always worked very successfully. It all depends. <laughs> uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I was pleasant. Look, man, the the, the first movie is such a, a, a toss up for me. The, the, first of all, the movie's good. It's fun. It was a cool flick or whatever. But just the fact that it succeeded so much, even enough to get a sequel almost justifies people complaining <laughs> and and the studio bending to fix the problems that people complain about which drives me wild um you know how i feel about the whole snyder cut thing and restore the snyderverse and all that but like i don't know i, I i'm glad they made the changes it looked great i wouldn't have liked seeing it the way they originally had it animated um but knuckles and tails and everything you know that's there's supposed to be also, I think it, it, we don't nothing about it. So this is just a, a name drop rather than a part of my list, but that they're supposed to be doing a Mario small Mario brothers animated film too uh, this year. Mm-hmm. So just in, in, in terms of like, you know, nostalgia stuff from my childhood being made into a movie in the same way that I'm going to see that Mario brothers movie, I'm going to see the Sonic movie because I like tails. I like knuckles. I know who those characters are. I want to see that. Uh, and the trailer looked cool because, you know, Sonic going like, you'll never take my power. And then just, you know, when it's always when someone throws a punch and someone catches it, it's always cool. But when Sonic, you know, spins and Knuckles catches the spin, that's even cooler. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he's just like, do I look like I need your power? <laughs> I mean, that was that's kind of cool. I'm still not sure how I feel about uh, uh, Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik. Um but you know, he he'll have another movie in that role. So let's let's see if he can sell me on it. That was another one that was in my middle of the road list as well. First movie, it was. In, I mean, I don't have a lot of ties to the to the game, but I yeah. I saw I saw the first one, and yeah, Sonic. And let's not forget, Sonic actually was a movie that still did fairly well, but it was being. That's when the box office was starting to go down the the death spiral of COVID. It was yeah. it was the beginning of the death spiral, which was it bloodshot, right? That's that's the Vin Diesel movie. Yeah, Bob, blood, yeah, bloodshot. I think bloodshot. Yeah, it's always it's a comic yeah. book franchise. Yeah, yeah that, that was like the last. I think the last thing that I, I saw before everything closed down in March of 2020. I'll probably see the I'll probably see the second Sonic, but again, it's it's middle of the road for me. Uh, last one on my list is what every year I do talk about the DC direct to DVD animated films. There's not a massive list this year because all that's currently expected. It's coming out actually sooner than you think is Catwoman hunted. Uh, Catwoman hunted uh, is supposed to hit uh, beginning of February. 
it's going to have her. It's going to have Batwoman. It's going to have Black Mask, Solomon Grundy, uh, uh, Tobias Whale, Talia Al Ghul, King Faraday, Cheetah, Cheshire, so on and so forth. I think the DC animated films have gotten better as of late. Personally, I have not yet seen Batman The Long Halloween Part 1 or Part 2 because I'm being very stubborn and waiting for them to just release both of them in one set like they did with the Death and Return of Superman as well as Dark Knight Returns. Um, But they still seem to be dragging ass on that, so I haven't seen it yet. But I have seen Injustice. I have seen Justice Society World War II. Batman, Soul of the Dragon, Superman, Man of Tomorrow, stuff like that. I mean, by and large, I have liked all of those films for in, in their own way. Soul of the Dragon was a very unique thing because it's like a 70s uh, kung fu flick uh, thing. But despite the individual weirdness of each of those, I thought they were all really decent ones compared to some of the others that we had got uh, in recent past, like... Uh, uh, Suicide Squad, Hell to Pay, or Batman and Harley Quinn, or Teen Titans, Judas Contract, or, or whatever. The other interesting thing here is because Cat, Catwoman Hunted is the only is the next one we expect. All we have after that to go on of where the DC animated films are going are the ones that were announced during Fandom, which next up would be Green Lantern, Beware My Power. And then Battle of the Super Sons, which is unique because it's supposed to be the first DC Universe directed DVD film that's going to be CGI. But the reason I say that's interesting is because when you buy these things on Blu-ray, usually it depends on how far they are in the process. Usually there's some sort of special feature teaser as to the development and stuff of the next expected film. So if Catwoman Hunted is the only thing that we're expecting this year, and the next project, theoretically speaking, is Green Lantern Beware My Power, there's a chance we could learn more about Green Lantern Beware My Power in the special features of the Catwoman Hunted DVD Blu-ray release. Yeah, it's something, at least keeping your fingers crossed for, it's certainly a possibility. But the problem is with animated movies, it's always hard to get like a sneak preview if they really haven't depending how far along in the process they are. Well, I mean, no, you've, you've, you've even seen them before just do like storyboard flip throughs. Yeah, that's true. So uh, like light sketches and stuff. So um, it's possible, uh, but it really depends on how far they are with green lantern at this point. Um, or if there's something they haven't announced yet, that's going to hit bef- between cat one hunted and green lantern, but where my power, who knows? But uh, I mean, I, I, I am interested in Catwoman hunted in its own right. Folks, uh, I'm just interested in the DC animated direct-to-DVD stuff to begin with. Uh, so I'm just curious to see what they do with it. Just looks looks interesting so far, and and the p- possibility of learning more about Beware My Power is just just added bonus. I don't actually, you know, I I honestly I'm not gonna hype myself up for the possibility that that's gonna be on the a special feature, so I'm not let down in any sense. But I just thought it was worth throwing out there that. that that's coming and it is a possibility. So, but that's the five I would pick for my list. I've got a couple of others, but nothing I can, nothing I would really expand on other than naming them. Cool. So we do want to continue with alternates. You want to jump to monkey? Nah, crap? let's let's let's, throw, let's cut to the monkey crap list. I mean, unless there's something that you really want to talk about in the middle of the road that was left off, but you probably would have included it if it was that big a deal. 
But if you no. want to, we can read this. Um, other than listing that it's coming off Pinocchio by Guillermo del Toro, because there's supposed to be two Pinocchio movies this year. One is a live action Disney one. I don't care about that one. Give me dark, gritty Guillermo del Toro, creepy ass Pinocchio. Let me let me see that. Um, and then the untitled Elvis Presley project. I'm always about, you know, musician biopic stuff. Um, and they're supposed to be doing that uh, as well. So that's very interesting. There's a movie coming out called Moonfall. I don't know how I feel about that yet. I watched the trailer the other day. That's the Halle Berry like, movie, right? Yeah. Looks like a good action flick, but like, have you seen the trailer? Yes. The the sort of cloud monster thing, <laughs> like the the all consuming cloud thing. I, I don't I don't know. I'm I, again. I'm always down for spacey stuff, but like, really? I I don't know. Um, then there's movies, The Outlaw, The Commando, Babylon, and Crimes of the Future. Those are just to name a few uh, of things that jumped out to me. I didn't know were coming out until I saw it on the list. And the premise and or actors, actresses in them caught my eye. So that's all I got. Cool. All right. So let's do a quick run through whatever we did. Whatever on our monkey crap list, uh, I'll, I'll rattle these off. I had Fantastic Beasts there because... Again, I have no ties to that part of the franchise, and I and I, and I have no desire to see it, which doesn't mean I won't, but it means that I'm not going to be, without being pressed, I will not see it. Uh, Bob's Burgers, haven't watched the show. I don't like the animation style. One of those things that they're making a movie out of that, but they make a movie out of everything these days. Lightyear, as I already mentioned, Minions, because I'm kind of minioned out. You know, I liked the, the original Despicable Me. And I'm not going to say I hated the, the moment they had Gru and his brother because I actually did watch that on Netflix. But it's like that's a franchise that I think is kind of like worn itself a little too thin for me. You mentioned Black Panther. Black Panther's on my list here. I'm completely unenthused right now about Black Panther. There's been so many problems with Black Panther, too, that you have no idea. what. To, the only thing that makes that movie somewhat interesting is the fact that Namor is supposed to be the bad guy. Other than that. You have no idea what they're doing with with uh, Shuri, and you have no idea what they're doing with Shuri. When we do find out what they're doing with Shuri, how much of it has to do with because this is what they want or because they don't like Letitia Wright for various reasons. And the last one is Avatar 2, because Avatar itself is incredibly overrated as a movie, not as a special effects movie, but as an actual movie. It, you know, it was, it was an event movie because of the 3D. It's mm-hmm. been friggin' what going to be 13 years or so since I, I think it was a 2009, I think avatar came out. So it's going to be at least, it's going to be at least 12 to 13 years since the last one came out. I, it's hard to ever bet against Jim Cameron because he's, because he's always proven people wrong because people never, you know, people thought there's no way Titanic was ever going to make its money back. No way. Avatar's going to make its money back. Considering the number of friggin' sequels they already have in production for this movie for, for, the original avatar now finally now the caveat to this is if the 3d once again is friggin' spectacular then that's going to be the hook which will be yeah, really impressive if they use groundbreaking tech or something well like a lot of this movie is basically it's like underwater it's basically the water side of pandora so the reality is it's already going to be in a different kind of vibe from a 3d movie that we've gotten before if the 3d is as impressive as the 3d was in 2009 or when the original avatar came out, 
That's the caveat to this. And who knows? It could actually be a good it could be an interesting story. But this is a significant amount of time between a movie and a sequel. And the difference is Avatar, while it made a crap ton of money, the reality is Avatar never really became a pop cultural phenomenon. The world and that story, that movie never really made the inroads that something like Star Wars did or even like the MCU has. So you don't. So it's going to need it's going to need a hook and maybe more than one. But either way, again, I will probably almost guaranteed see this movie. I have no interest in going to see another pan seeing Avatar 2. I didn't don't think we needed no. an Avatar 2. But we're going to get like three or four more of them after this. So the reality mm -hmm. is, so I had I I had to double check just to make sure that my mind wasn't playing tricks on me and that Avatar actually was. Because originally Avatar was supposed to come out, if I remember correctly, Avatar was supposed to come out against R Rise of Skywalker. And then they pushed it back a year purposely to avoid that, which maybe wasn't, a, maybe they should have stayed there. And then, and then of course, the pandemic hit and everything went, went to Yeah. I mean, it's a good segue because it's on my list, too. I mean, you said it's been, what, 13 years or whatever? I think, yeah, I think. I'm, We've I'm also been check. hearing about this sequel for 13 years. Just fucking come out with it already and get it off my. I, I'm sick of hearing about Avatar's coming back. Avatar's coming back. Yeah, Avatar's coming back. Let's just show me the movie. If it's great, then who knows? Maybe Avatar 3 will be on my number one next year. I don't know. Um, but just show me the movie already. I'm sick of hearing about it. Um, I'll probably end up seeing it anyways. Speaking to childhood stuff, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers is going to be a movie, a live action movie with the, you know, obviously the, uh, the, the animated characters, uh, being animated and sort of a, you know, kind of a la Sonic the Hedgehog, Andy Samberg and John Mulaney are going to be the voice of, uh, Chip and Dale. You know, I love Chip and Dale. Uh, actually the original Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, animated series there is has been uh, remastered in advance of this and is going to be released on blue in a blu-ray box set i just saw that the other day because i i pay attention to the blu-ray release uh calendar it's supposed to come out yeah chippendale rescue rangers the complete series uh january 25th on blu-ray so disney's gearing up for this this film too and by re-releasing the og stuff um I want to see it. I'm curious. Sesame Street is getting a live action movie. Uh, the idea is Big Bird and his Sesame Street friends are mysteriously expelled from their neighborhood, finding themselves in Manhattan. They team up with a plucky history show host, Sally Hawthorne, played by Anne Hathaway, uh, who's on a quest to save her show and prove that Sesame Street actually exists with obstacles created by the evil mayor. I don't know. Uh, regardless of whether or not it, it's it's it, the idea in some way reminds me so much of Muppets Take Manhattan or whatever, of just the Muppet films. I'm like, I, Sesame Street wasn't necessarily a big part of my childhood or anything, but like those characters are so iconic. And then the idea of the Muppet films and, and how much is this movie going to be like those? Like it really depends on like what the trailers and stuff for this film looks like how that hooks me if it hooks me right there's a high likelihood i'm going to get dragged to the theater to see this or or someone in my group is going to be like yeah let's go see this it really depends but there's a there's a distinct possibility 
I'll be seeing the Sesame Street movie in theaters. I don't know how you feel about either of those, Chippendale or Sesame Street. <laughs> I mean, I have some, I have ties to both of them, but uh, yeah, I would, I would be, to be fair, I mean, I would probably put both, I would put both of those probably in the middle, just like I had Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile, because I remember the book. That yeah. I put that in, the, I put in that in the, in the middle of the road list for for me. So the budget of the Avatar sequels are a billion dollars combined. Combined. So that's not so when you think about it, that's not so that's really not horrible. That but that that assumes there's an interest in these movies. Yeah. But the for so for two through five. <laughs> so for Avatar two, three, four, and five, that they're sharing supposedly a billion dollar a billion dollar budget and a lot of it's being filmed uh at the same time. Uh, so two hundred and fifty million for each movie? Pretty much. Yeah, which is, which actually, when you think about it, because I, I was just, I just noticed this. I think the original Avatar back in 2009, the budget was 234. So actually, mm-hmm. that's not much of a price of cost of living increase at all, considering that just tells you how ridiculously overpriced, at, you know, from a, at the time anyway. And they made it up clearly in in spades, mm-hmm. but that just again, he makes these ridiculously expensive movies, and then it's such a incredible. You need Yahtzee like every time in order to. This, if they really are, if they really are splitting that budget, and it is, and it does come where come down somewhere in that range, at least it's a little more realistic. That even if the movie doesn't do gangbusters, that at least you can make make a little bit of money maybe on each movie. Yeah. Unless, uh, people, got- unless people hated it, then of course, <laughs> then you, after the second one, you, you're done. <laughs> uh, I got three more on the monkey crap list. This is uh, first of all Matilda. Uh, Matilda was, you know, for those of you who remember the, the movie about the girl who has, I think, telekinesis or something like that. Um, I forget the specifics of how she got the power or why she had it or whatever, but just it was a fun kids movie of a girl who had that power, you know, going to school and all this stuff. Uh, normally, I wouldn't care, except that Emma Thompson's in it, and I adore Emma Thompson. Uh, she, you know, guys, uh, uh, Stranger Than Fiction is one of my favorite films. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm inherently uh, curious about anything that she's in, especially, you know, uh, I, I'm curious about anything that she's in. And the fact that it's about a property film I'm already aware of, saw as a kid or whatever, I'm going to be naturally curious. So Matilda is there. Shin Ultraman is coming out. I have no, you know, with all my ties and love of the Kaiju, specifically Godzilla and his ilk, I don't have any connection or history with Ultraman. Uh, Sorry to Daryl Banks, who's a massive Ultraman fan. Uh, But I saw Shin Godzilla, of course, being the Godzilla fan that I am. And I know that the Shin concept is sort of like, you know, if if the Japanese studios reimagined these these characters in a modern context, what would that look like? What would those films look like? What would the backstory for these characters be? So on and so forth. Um, much in the same way that Marvel's Ultimate Comics kind of took familiar concepts and characters and just sort of reimagined them if they were created under different circumstances. So I have no interest in history with Ultraman. But I'm curious about the Shin concept, and the Shin concept is naturally something that's supposed to be, uh, in a way, an entry point for somebody. So I might end up seeing Shin Ultraman. 
And last but not least, because it's it, this, the movie that prece- uh, preceded it uh, was uh, on my list, Mission Impossible 7. I saw the most recent Mission Impossible film because I got dragged to the theater to go see it. I thought it was a good flick. I thought it was a good action movie. I just have no personal history with and rabid fandom for the Mission Impossible films. Sure, they're enjoyable action flicks, but it's not something I personally return to very often. But because I got dragged to see the last one, I'm sure I'll be dragged to see the next one. (laughs) And that wraps up my monkey crap list. All right. Anything else for you? Any uh, about Matilda or <laughs> Mission Impossible? I know you like some Mission Impossible. Uh, yeah, I have seen probably at some point all of those movies. Uh, I have only seen a hand. I have seen less. Well, there's not even a handful would indicate most of the movies I have seen. Probably. I know I've seen at least two in the theater. I saw is it Ghost Protocol? No, uh, that sounds familiar. Rogue, it might have been Rogue. It might have been Rogue Nation. Was might have been the other one. But I've I've seen a few of those. I've seen a few of the movies. Um, Rogue Nation, Fallout was what the yeah Ghost Protocol. Fallout was the last one. That was the one with uh, Henry Cavill, right? Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, that one I saw. I did not see in the theater. I think I saw most of it on HBO. But I I did see. I think the only two I've seen in the theater were Ghost Protocol and and Rogue Nation. But I've seen, I think I saw the first one through three eventually on on Amazon Prime or something. It's okay. Yet that 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 actually would have been would have been another classic. I put it in the middle of the road, but it would have been a classic monkey crap selection because it is something I a franchise I care nothing about. I have no emotional ties to. So I would definitely not be running out to see it on my own. But again, it's not something it is not something I would turn down. If somebody wanted to see it, I would go see it. Uh, All right. Well, an episode always goes long, but uh, that's it. That's our our movie prequel. You know, we got to figure out something. We got to figure out a better way (laughs) to end this this particular episode when we do this, because we always we end on the monkey crap and it's like we're ending on movies that we have no particular interest in seeing. So we sort of end on a dour note in a way. <laughs> so <laughs> I wonder if we should next year, like stick in do, the middle. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Or like do five through two and hold off on our number ones till the end. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah you're right. We could do that. We could, we could whet people's appetite with, with something pleasant and then just throw a big steaming pile right in their face. <laughs> <laughs> It would be this very on brand. Chad. It'd be very on brand for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. If people want to reach out to us and tell us what movies they're looking forward to in 2022, how do they do that? Lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, use hashtag geocast to track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Whichever, whichever one of those platforms or all of them, if you listen to us on multiple platforms, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to text us or leave us a voicemail, the number to use is 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We told you guys last episode what uh, is coming in the future for the show. So if you're curious about what's next, go listen to that episode. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys later. Good night, everybody. Good night.